Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. And it turns out we're wired for it. Just, but the wiring is inside and we're always looking outside. And you don't see the wiring on the inside for peace and harmony and contentment and, and feeling loved. You don't see it on the inside if your awareness is outside. So it's a, it's a matter of focus. Where, you, where the focus goes, that becomes your reality. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by a businessman and, I guess, philosopher Udo Erasmus. Uh, I was introduced to Udo through his uh, marketing team, and we were supposed to talk about healthy fats. For some reason, we started talking about uh, existential crises, and I thought this would be a great thing to share with you today based on what we're seeing in the world, what's happening in Ukraine right now. Uh, it was just really neat to share Udo's story of escaping Nazi-occupied Poland during the start of World War II, how his family immigrated into Canada, and just how that shaped his philosophy on life, that we're all wired for harmony. And how do we find that harmony in our lives? So we're going to talk about how we're wired for that, how nature clears the mind, and what you can do on a daily basis to help find clarity in your day and in your life. So sit back and relax unless you are trying to make the perfect snowball to throw it. Because again, it's always about throwing things when I have a random thought, I guess. Uh, but here's that conversation with Udo. Here we go. All right. Hey, Udo, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're calling in from where again? Somewhere on Thank the West Coast. Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking Washington for some reason, but I guess it's kind of like Canada. Well, it's, yeah, Vancouver's BC is just an extension of Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Washington State. <laughs> It just depends on which side of that border you're on. They're like, no, they're an extension yeah, of yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the border is, is, of course, is an artificial creation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all one human race, right? Yeah. There are awesome. probably trees, you know, that have half of their roots in Canada and half of their roots in the U.S. I had never thought of that. Yeah. Oh, man. Since they don't pay taxes, they totally get away with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see some lawyers trying to find a way to make money off of arguing over that. You know, Indeed. That's our tree. How do you know? It's roots. Yeah. Like, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh. Oh, somebody, always, somebody somewhere always wants to sue somebody. Uh, <laughs> now, Especially uh, in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're really good about that, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, yeah, in my travels, that, that, that and guns are the two things that seem to stand out with, with folks outside the United States. Like, you Americans, you love suing each other and you love shooting each other. Mm. Like, eh, yeah. Yeah, some, somewhat. I mean, we have probably as many guns in Canada per capita as you do, but we have much, much tighter restrictions and more education required to get a license to carry. 
I know we didn't get on here to talk about guns and gun safety no, no. and yeah. shooting. Yeah. We got there <laughs> really I, fast, didn't we? <laughs> uh, I mean, my ADHD almost kicked in. I was about to go down that rabbit hole. I'm like, yeah, this is a great conversation. Let's do this. Uh, but I, I, I know we made agreements with some folks outside of you and I that we were going to talk about uh, health, fitness, but yeah. more specifically around uh, you know the fats that heal, the fats that kill. Yeah. And uh, so... But before I dive in there, I know one of the things that really stood out to me as I was doing my homework about you is that uh, your origin story, uh, you were born during mm-hmm. World War II, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, in Russia, and no, your family. Poland. It was Poland. Part of, but it was part of Germany at the time. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, totally not Russia. Why did I think Russia? Anyway, you were running from. We were running from the Russians, yeah. My parents actually came from Latvia and Estonia. My background is German-Swedish. And, uh, and they left Russia when... The com- they left uh, Latvia. <laughs> I'm doing it now. Too. They they left Latvia when the when the communists moved in. They loved the Russians because they're very emotional people, and you know they're rich in their in their hearts in a way. But they hated communism because the communists took everything away from everybody, and mm-hmm. everything was state owned. And then you became a slave of the state. They called it communism, which is kind of is a good idea, which is like everybody helps everybody. But it was yeah. actually a dictatorship, and and so so you have to be careful what you know what people call things is not necessarily what they're delivering, yes. and especially that's true in politics. Yes, right. Very so, true. so they left, and and Hitler had taken over part of Poland, and they got given a farm. And the the man who owned the farm became my father's. My father was also a farmer, became his farmhand over the course of the war. So he so he got the farm stolen, and then he had to work for the guy who got given the stolen farm. So, but they worked it out. He said, "Look, I don't like this any better than you do." Let's 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 work the farm and let's make the farm, you know, work and let's let's work together and we'll sort it out. So treat them with dignity and respect. Love it. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you live with people, you know, there has to be something like that. You live together. There's eight billion of us on this planet. We got to find some way to live in harmony. Anyway, so so by the time I was just under three years old, we were refugees fleeing from the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks, down dirt roads in horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly women and young children, because the, the men were off in war. And uh, and if we, they'd have caught us, we would have ended up in the gulag in, in Siberia. That's where they took people with, that, that, they, that they caught, or, or we could have got shot too, you know, so. And, uh, and then... There was no military presence on those roads, just all these people trying to get out. There were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And the Allies used the refugees as target practice. So they were shooting at us from planes. Well, these were the good guys. <laughs> so when, when it comes to war, I don't see any good guys on either side. Yeah. Wars. Just from my experience. Yeah. I mean, having and, been oh, in it, yeah, uh, I think the conclusion I had was war is waste. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. Just all yeah. the talent, but, all it, the but it's what happens when peace is not cultivated. When we have the luxury and the time and the space to do that, and that was for me was the the early lesson. I got my nose rubbed in how bad it can get. So I got focused very early. How can you? I, there must be a way that people can live in harmony, and I'm going to find out how. So that's been my driver all my life. Nice. Yeah, that so, started at a very And then we age. got, I, I ended up in an orphanage. My mother went through the fields because it was safer than being on the road 
but she had six kids with her and she couldn't handle more than two because she's only got two hands. So she had to leave four of them behind. Can, can you imagine a mother having to make that kind of a decision? I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to make that. And then, and, but eventually we got reunited and then we left uh, Germany when I was 10 and emigrated to Canada because my father had seen Quebec and Quebec was very much like Latvia in terms of the, the vegetation and the, the, the way it looked. And he said, if I survive this war, I'm going to Canada. And that's how, that's how that happened. Just the thought in his head, you know, and, uh, and, and then it was Canada was the land of opportunity, a lot of land, not many people. So he ended up buying 112 acres of bushland and, we lived there uh, in a house we built ourselves, and we had an outhouse 40 below. It's a, it's a refreshing experience to <laughs> use an outhouse. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, we had no electricity, no running water, and he really liked it because he had gone they, – they had gone in Europe first through the First World War when they were kids. When that ended, the Bolshevik Revolution started. That lasted into the Depression. Then they got the depression, and that, and the depression was followed by the Second World War. That was their life in Europe. And my father, just like he said, I just want to be left alone. You know, I've, if it doesn't rain in my bed, I'm happy. <laughs> and and he would read the newspaper uh, once a week, and he he folded very precisely and put it down, and he'd get up out of his easy chair and walk to the middle of the living room and say to nobody in particular, "The world stinks." Yeah. Oh wow. So that, was, that was his his attitude, and he for him nature was everything. You know, like he liked the pace. He liked the he liked the respect. I mean, there's a lot of respect in nature if you think about it. All these different things growing together and in, in some some ways supporting each other, but not beating beating on each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a balance so that was, that's achieved. Yeah. So that was that was my formative years, and I literally started thinking about how people can live in harmony when I was six years old. And, and then my whole life has been about figuring out how, how that's possible. And it turns out we're wired for it. This, but the wiring is inside and we're always looking outside. And you don't see the wiring on the inside for peace and harmony and contentment and, and feeling loved. You don't see it on the inside if your awareness is outside. So it's a, it's a matter of focus. Where you, where the focus goes, that becomes your reality. So how do folks, um, I guess, get that realization that you know we are wired for that harmony, that balance? Um, you know, when they're looking at the outside world, kind of like the story of your dad. Yeah. You know, he's reading the paper. He's like, the world sucks. Everybody hates each other. People are killing each other. Yeah, and yeah. he's able to kind of look up and see what's around him and go, huh, I like this. Yeah. Well, so so I think. I think when you're in, in, in the city and things are pretty hectic because the pace is not a natural pace anymore. It's a mind pace and the mind f- travels faster than a bullet, right? So when you're, when you're in an unnatural situation like that, there, nature has an attraction for you. When I used to get confused when I was in my twenties to clear my head, I would always go in nature, spend, spend a few days in nature and just hang out, not, not, not even to think anything over. But just to be, but just to get that change of pace. Talk about getting out of a rut, right? There was that was my way of getting out of out of my thinking ruts at that time. Um, but but the the thing that is critical, I think, and I don't know a culture that teaches that, is that until you're able to bring your focus of awareness back 
into the space that your body occupies. So it's an internal journey. Until you're able to do that, there will always be something in your chest that will feel uneasy. And whether you call that longing or loneliness or sorrow or sadness or isolation or separation or yearning, striving, blues, somebody, you know, and, and it usually happens triggered by something we lose on the outside or disappointment. You know, there's, I have 10 pages of, of names for this feeling uneasy feeling in the chest, thirst of the heart, heartbreak, heartache, because it's the heart calling our awareness to come back home inside to its source in life. And that's true. I, I have never met someone who doesn't know that feeling. And we call it different names depending on what the trigger is. But why we feel it is not because of the trigger. Why we feel it is because it is our heart calling our awareness to come back home. Why does it need to come home? It is the feeling of our loss, of our connection to ourselves. And when you go in that route, then it doesn't matter whether you call it ourselves, our, our Christ, our God, our master, life, solar energy, whatever. I mean, they're all the same thing. Inside of us is a presence. And that presence, when we're in touch with it, we feel whole and in peace and unconditionally loved because life loves the body unconditionally, 24-7, 365, lifelong, never takes time off, never goes on strike, never complains, right? So, so when we feel that when we're connected and we feel the loss when we're disconnected. And that's really what, what is that expulsion out of Eden right? or, or the prodigal son? Right. If you if you use th- those those stories, our story of disconnect. Right. Whether you talk about disconnect from family or nation or group or whatever it is, their story of disconnection and then reconnection, coming home, coming home, coming home to self, coming home to life, coming home to Jesus, coming home to God. It's not like, and it's and that's the human story. I mean, even if you're not Christian or you have no religion, it's still the story. That whole because is still it's there. A story yeah. of experience. Yeah. Right? It's a story of experience. Yeah. So um, now how did we get there? Because we were going to talk about fats. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to do two parts now. Apparently. <laughs> because okay. I, I want to know so, more. So if I'm working in that in office or a cubicle and I feel that hole in my heart, that that yeah. presence is missing, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's the reason why I feel stuck in a rut. Um yeah. What could I ask myself or reflect on to help address what is there or what's missing? Well, it from depends. That? Most people will try to do it by telling themselves a different a story. You know, either a habitual story, which would could also be another rut, or or um, you know, or some story. You know, people teach you how to make up stories that supposedly work better for you than the story you're telling yourself, and to some extent, that's true. But the most important thing that I found, be, uh, because for me, it was Im- really important. When I turned 17, this my heart ached all the time and I couldn't shake it. What we usually do is we, dis- we distract ourselves from it, or we try to ignore it, or we deny it, or we blame it on some- something or somebody. That's usually how we deal with this. Right? And we don't like the feeling because it can be pretty intense. Uh, right? So what I say, and I think... I think this this uh, 
What I tell people is when you feel it, really feel it. Sit with it. Be with it. Don't judge it. Just feel it. Be with it. Accept it. Embrace it. Maybe even be grateful for it because it's what is that thing? It's your call to come home. And that and it will nag you until you do. And you will distract yourself. So maybe you, whatever it is, you know, maybe you say, okay, I'm going to make a million dollars and then I'll feel okay. Because there's always that hope. This is the driving force, right? Disconnect. This is the driving force. Adler, Adler, the psychologist, uh, I don't know how he got there so early, like in the 1920s. He said, the innermost striving of every human being is to move from a felt minus to a felt plus. In other, in other words, to feel better. Okay, a striving for perfection and a striving for godlikeness. But he never figured out how to do that. He, the way he went about, it, he said, "Well, if you're interested in the interest of others, he called it social interest, because you live in communities and you have dependencies on other people because you don't survive by yourself. So when you do that." That's the way to deal with it. And I disagree <laughs> from my experience. And I disagree because what you, what you, if you sit with that feeling long enough, you'll actually that far behind it, like less than a hair's breadth behind it is your wholeness. So, and the, and heartache is really cool because if you're in your head, you're a long ways from your heart and you have thoughts going in every direction. We, every which way, right? But when, when your heart aches, you're almost there. So I call it the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive. Because if you didn't have heartache to keep calling you home, you would go out through your senses like we do as part of the human journey. Go out through your senses and you would never find your way back because nothing would ever remind you that something was off. So it's a pain that is the greatest gift other than being alive. Yeah. <laughs> that's why and that's why and that's why you want to sit with it because it's kind of like you're running a race. You say okay, I want to I want to win the 800 meter race, but I'm I'm definitely not putting my feet in the starting blocks. <laughs> okay, you will not be on the medal on a on the podium. <laughs> or to put yourself in the pain of training so for that race, yeah. If we if we don't acknowledge our starting point, then we ha we're missing the the origin part of the journey. If I don't know where I am, I don't know where, in what direction to go to get to my goal, right? Like if, like I want to go to New York. No, I want to come to visit you in Texas. You're in Texas, right? Yeah. Okay. So I want to come and visit you in Texas, right? But I don't know where I am. How am I going to find you? Oh yeah. How do you, you know can't. which direction to go? Yeah, because you don't know where you're. So you have to know where you are, and you have to know where you're going. Now we know that in business, right? You have a problem in business, you, you put the problem on the table, you don't hide it, <laughs> you don't blame it on somebody, right? You say, okay, we, got, <laughs> we have a situation. And then, you and then you look at the situation and you determine what, are the what is the nature of the situation. And once you know that and you know what your goal is, then you can track a course, right? Well, this is just the same, only this is the journey home to, home to, home to life, home to God. Right, home to self, but it's the same. You got to know. You got to be able. You got to be willing to acknowledge your starting point. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content 
like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, it takes a, a courage to be humiliated. Humble. There we go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes meanness to be humiliated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of that hole yeah. that's it, there. And I, I've never thought of it so much as being humble. Yeah. But just being practical. Okay. Yeah. You know, for me, and, and I couldn't shake it because I had seen enough to know that, that something was missing in my life. And I knew I wasn't going to find it from my parents. And I knew I wasn't going to find it from all my studies and my university studies, of which I did a lot, science and biosciences and psychology and medicine. And, you know, so, um, so I knew, I knew, and I couldn't, you know, so that I was always feeling it. And I would talk about it and people would say, well, don't think about it. It'll just drive you crazy. Or they'd say, why don't you just get a job like your brother? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, and I couldn't. It was just like, it was intense. And and 13 years, I, I, I lived with that feeling. It was there all the time. And there was nothing physically wrong with me. And uh, then I I heard somebody say, "What you the peace you search for in the world is within you. I can show you how to connect to that. And I he was 14, I was 30. So I was like, oh. What's a fourteen-year-old going to teach me? Now, then, then I was—that was not humble, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, so I thought, yeah. you know, what's a fourteen-year-old going to teach me? I've been around, and then I thought, well, you know, peace is important to me because I came out of a war, so I, it was definitely a preoccupation that I lived with. I even joined the peace movement until I realized it was an anti-war movement, <laughs> but I didn't want anti-war. I wanted peace, <laughs> so I left, right? And uh, and I thought, well, you know, I am interested in peace. If he can show, if he can show me how to get there, I'll do it. And if he can't, I'll just keep looking. And so I started. And basically, fundamentally, what he said is, you need to take time in your life, just like you take time for the bathroom, and just like you take time for bacon and eggs or your breakfast, time for your job, time for your family, time for the all the things you do. You need to take time in your life to become as still as you can get. And, be, you know, just close your eyes, shut off all of your distractions, become as still as you can become and see how still you can become and see how deeply still you can become and see how long you can stay there and see how lightly and slowly you can breathe. So nothing very complicated here. It's, it's about doing nothing because when you go into that stillness, everything reveals itself in that stillness not a new concept either because Einstein said that too. You know, he said 99 times I think and think and think and I get nothing. And then, and then he said, I, I can't remember what he said, but it's like, and then I let go and float in silence and the answer comes to me. That's where his, you know, so he was like, it's like he was a mystic, you know, his, his uh, theory of relatively relativity began with feelings he felt in his muscles. So, what? <laughs> but he was very experiential, even though he turned it all into math and equations. But 
the whole thing for him was experiential. And he's also he, so he he was also experiential in terms of peace. He 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 was big on that and and culture and you know he complained about not complained but you know he he talked against some of the stupid things that people did with Adams, for instance. Yeah, yeah, they turned <laughs> Bomb, it into a weapon. Right? Yeah, and 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 so this whole thing that we're talking about, and you know, might as well add Christianity to it, t to it, right? Yeah, it has to be experiential. You know, it can't just be memorizing a bunch of stuff and then quoting stuff to each other. That gives I get I get why that why people do that something because it gives you a certain kind of comfort, like you're in familiar territory because you know this stuff. But it doesn't make you grow, and it doesn't take you, and it doesn't take you home. Yeah, if we want to follow the example that Jesus set, you know, when when he was struggling with something, he went off by himself. And had some quiet time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never with, thought of that. Yeah, yeah with the father, yeah. and, and he spent a, and he spent a lot of time by himself. Yeah, so it, right? it makes total sense. Um, and, and and so and what the masters and I'm, I I would include all of them. Buddha, you know, this is like enlightenment. What is enlightenment? Is if you close your eyes in the darkness, first thing you're going to see is darkness. Nothing there. But if you st- sit in that darkness long enough and you go deeply enough into that darkness, you will discover light in the darkness. There's light in the darkness. That's why Buddha talked about enlightenment being lit up from within. There's light in the darkness. I've seen the light. I've seen that. And what is that light? That light is your life, and you are that life, and that light is also Christ. And it's also solar energy that went, you know, that was captured by green leaves. That was this is how, how it works, right? Sun shines on earth, shines on a green leaf, green leaf absorbs the sunlight energy. That activates electrons. When they're activated, they get into reactions. The sunlight energy is stored in the bonds between the atoms in molecules. Those become our food. We eat those foods, we do the opposite reaction, break it down. That sunlight is released, and that's our life. And that's also our master, because life inside the human body, omniscient means it knows everything about the body because it runs the show, right? I'm not running the show. I mean, my mind's not running the show. My body's not running the show. Without that energy, the body's finished, right? So it runs the show. So it's omnipotent. It's all power in me, omniscient, all knowledge in me, and omnipresent, present everywhere in me. And omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient is one of the definitions of God. Oh, so God lives inside of every human being. Yep, in the trees too, and in the rocks too, and everywhere because God is everywhere. He's the creator. In fact, God then. can't yeah. go travel because He's already everywhere. He's already yeah. there. Yeah, right. Must be boring. Must be boring to be God. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> because you're always everywhere. No, it's not. Yeah, because it's it's a, it's, it's a bliss state, right? So so. Um, yeah, and, and, and not taking that time means that we live without foundation because our foundation in the core of our being is, is a perfect peace, is a perfect peace that, that when you experience it and then you look around, you say, oh my God, peace has always already been everywhere, but only peace knows that. So if you're not looking from the peace that you are, then you're not going to see the peace out there. If you're angry, you're going to see enemies. You know, in the, in the place where the peace guy sees peace, the angry guy sees enemies. 
then he creates enemies, even if there are none there. <laughs> yes. From his mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then he creates enemies and then he creates a world of enemies. And we literally imagine them into being. And then the de we define them so that we can take out our anger on them. That's the kind of world we've built. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that same person is afraid that he's going to see danger everywhere. And even if there's no danger, he will create danger in his perception. And then he will act into the world as though it was dangerous. And so then he'll hide and he'll protect and he'll, you know. So our state of being, you know, how present, how we are present, because it could be joy, it could be love, it could be whatever. Our state of being automatically comes to expression in the way in the way we perceive, but in the way we live, in the way we express ourselves automatically, automatically. So, so cultivating the best, the deepest, the most whole state of being is job one. If you want to have a good life, right? <laughs> if you don't want to have a good life, nobody can force you because, you know, you can could put a gun to your head and say, okay, get into peace now. And you say, okay, okay, okay I'm in peace now. <laughs> but, but inside the gun doesn't have any control. Yeah, exactly. Over yeah. you actually doing that. Yeah. I was going to ask uh, how much time somebody should spend each day to center themselves and find that peace. But I, I get the feeling this is one of those things where the answer is as long as it takes. Well, yeah, that's one, that's one answer. Uh, you know what? Even, even 10 seconds makes a difference if you're focused, right? Sometimes it takes me half an hour to even get focused. <laughs> right? but, but, you know, as much as you can, you know, you have things that you need to do. But what I find, if I take that time, it's like some people say, oh, my, no, I can't do that. I'm so busy because I got so much to do. You know, I find when I take the time to do nothing for, for an hour in the morning, and I might not experience anything that I can say, oh, yeah, I had this really incredible experience. I might not think I experienced anything, but my day goes better. And why is that? Because when you settle down, you, you know, part of what happens in the process of sitting still is your day gets organized. You know, you're not always just in, 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 in shining light, but you're thinking and, you know, your stuff comes up. So I, I end up doing less duplication because I'm more organized about the journey I'm taking for the day and it's automatic. So as much as you can, as much as you want to, nobody can force you, but start with, start with tuning in to the emptiness that's your starting point because that'll pull you close. That'll pull you close to begin with. And then it's just a matter of just kind of, you just, it's almost like you can drop out of the emptiness into your foundation. And at the base, at the rock bottom of it is peace. And if you're not experiencing peace in your life, you are living without foundation. And when you live without foundation, it's like you have a house, but, you know, <laughs> it's going to shift all over the place. Is the an attic, but you have no foundation. <laughs> you know, and then it, the house tilts. <laughs> you know, the wind blows, and the walls start know. cracking apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, foundation is really important. And and yeah, it's honestly, it's as much as you can. I mean, I was, I it suggested to me do an hour, do an hour a day, and then I would flog myself because I didn't do an hour. <laughs> It's like, oh no, well, that was not the point of telling you that, right? And then it was, re I, and then I realized, no, why, why don't I give my credit for the time I took, even if it was only 15 minutes? 
And when I only had 15 minutes, I seemed to get more focused quicker too, because I only I knew I only had 15 minutes, and I wanted to go as deep as I could. Right. So, so the issue, the issue is not, and it's and you go into a timeless place. Like when I when I go into that place, there is no time there. Right. I mean, you can you can kind of know when an hour is up, but but you're not you're not experiencing time. You're experiencing presence. Right. So how long? As long as you want, if you want. I got suggested an hour, sometimes on weekends, because I'm, a, I'm an old guy now, so I don't have as many things to do as I once <laughs> did. You know, I, I'll do two, I'll do three, you know, sometimes. But then there's another reason why this, the, the time is, you know, I used to go into this space and feel it and be beautiful. It's like very comforting. It's really, really nice, right? And then I'd come out and get into the world and get right into all the craziness that I got in my head and that's I see in the world. So I could get right back into it. And and then it was like, so I was in this beautiful place and then I was in a not so good place. And I got really frustrated. It's like, there must be a way to not leave it, not externalize myself. And and the conclusion I came to is, you know, I, I like this so much, I want to drag this into the world with me. And when I started thinking about, okay, I'm not just going to do it when I'm sitting still. I want to hang on to it while I'm doing what I need to do in the world. And the moment that I, it occurred to me that that was a possibility, it started to, it started to happen because I was aware that I could be conscious and keep that consciousness. Now, do any of your master classes help teach this to the students who take them? <clears throat> they, there, there is, there is one limitation I would say to the mastering to teaching classes like this. I can't create the thirst for you. Yeah, that's true. I can't create the ache for you. That's really the most important part of it. Because once you got the thirst, you'll figure it out. And it's your figuring, you're getting to understand the the journey that you need to master. So you you need to master mastery. And at some point, I can tell you stories, and, and you might like this stories because you never heard it before, right? But if I told you the same story in the same words 20 times, it'd become a relatively boring story. <laughs> yeah, right? if I'm listening to it with a new lens every time. That's, yeah. that's the problem with, like, with, with trying to make that happen for people. There's a gap between the end of instruction and the beginning of experience, Right. It's the same way it's like, like, you know, when you, when you drive a car and you slow it down, you know, there is a point where the car is still rolling really slowly, and then there's a little jerk, and now the car is stopped. There is a place in between rolling and stopped that is a gap. You can't slow down to a complete stop without a little jerk. And that jerk is like the gap that you have to jump to get into the experience of yourself of your whatever what all is there whatever you call it and and so i and and then the other thing is that when people can follow they a lot of people like to follow but that does not never gets you mastery and mastery is really important really important so so you don't want to you know if you want to really help people you got to give them that space you know you got to send them out in the in their own desert right you, you because you can't do it for them and we'd like to, as parents, we'd like to do it. We don't want our 
kids to suffer and we like to do everything for them. But, you know, in the end, that's not helpful. In the end, that sometimes is not helpful because then you make them dependent. And sometimes we have kids because we like dependence. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not good parenting. No, no. That's not good parenting, right? I think a phrase I like to use is you can only lead a horse so close to water before you're drowning it. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before you're drowning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other the other takeoff on that is you can lead it can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. But you can put salt in its food. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's thirsty. Now if you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to hit the share button. And send this episode to someone you feel would also enjoy the conversation and find great value in it. You can also check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 297. There you'll find links to similar episodes as well as next week's episode when it goes live. And that is the conversation that Udo and I are meant to have had about healthy fats. So we did eventually get there, uh, but we just could not pass up this conversation about how we're wired for connection for something more and it was just the perfect fit for the conversation around faith and uh, so next week it's going to be a conversation around fitness and I guarantee you he's going to find this really cool way to snap it all together so how does our physical health fit in with our spiritual health wow now I'm so glad that you joined me this week and I look forward to joining you again next week but until then go live life Beyond the Rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showvian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.